0: So if you guys want to turn to First John this morning, we're actually going to start in at the end of chapter 2, uh, verse 28. Uh, and my message this morning is called Practicing Righteousness. And really, that's, that's what the, we're going to see him even say, these are the kind of people that practice righteousness, and these are the kind of people that don't practice righteousness this morning. It's going to come up a few times in our text this morning. Was just painting this picture, uh, John is of uh, again the whole theme of John's message here, as he's writing to a church that's just dealing with uh, some some false teachers that have come in and and have kind of shared this weird sense that that they've got some special anointing uh, about them, the Gnostics, uh, and, and making things a little bit weird in the church, trying to trying to cause division in the church. And and John just speaking to that saying, oh, you know, we need to be people, if we're children of God, we need to be people that are in fellowship with God and we need to be searching the scriptures and, and, and he's going to continue in that this morning in just a place of we need to be practicing righteousness. And it's not a new theme this morning, but he's going to look at it in a different, kind of a different angle this morning. So let's get into the text this morning, verse 28 says, and now little children abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no sin whoever abides in him does not sin whoever sins has neither seen him nor know him little children let no one deceive you he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous he who sins is of the devil For the devil has sinned from the beginning for the purpose for this purpose. The son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not lo- does not love his brother? Heavenly Father, we just ask this morning that you, uh, you just let this scripture speak to us. Let the scripture fill us, God. Speak to us, God. I just pray uh, against any distractions this morning. Uh, keep us distraction free, God. Keep us, keep our mind away from from everything uh, going on in our lives. And God just put us in a place to to humbly accept your word this morning. fill us with your holy spirit god we we pray these things in your name bless our bless our message this morning bless the scriptures God amen. I also just realized I didn't do announcements, so there it is. It's been an off week, but uh. I guess we'll just do a few announcements real fast before I I jump into diving into the scripture here. But uh, uh, really, I think all we've got going on besides our normal stuff that you can find on the Verbatim Church app is uh, we've got men's group Saturday morning, 8 a.m. We're going through the book of Acts. We'll be in Acts chapter two. Uh, As always, we've got prayer Friday nights, youth and young adults. uh, Do note that youth is at a different time, 6 6 p.m., I'm not sure there's, I'm not sure there's much more than that. If I miss something, uh, the Verbatim Church app has got it. And, and I saw some of you guys filled out prayer cards. So awesome to have those new prayer cards implemented. So again, we want to be a church praying for one another. So we've got a lot of options to do that through the app, uh, through the cards and the seats. Uh, So if you guys have prayer requests, make sure you're, make sure you're getting those in and putting them in, in one of the tithe boxes back here. All right, but back to uh, back to our message this morning. <clears throat> and we're really entering into the second part of 1 John. But we, again, see this, the theme is kind of the same. Christ followers need to be practicing righteousness and, and loving one another. And, and John is kind of at the expense of sounding like a broken record here, because he's just going to kind of repeat these points. Um, but I think it's important and it's in there for a reason that he does repeat these points because it's important. And he's trying to get the point across that this is the stuff that matters. And these are the things we can look at in our walk with God and look at and go, how are we doing in these areas? Are we being Christians that are loving each other? Are we being Christians that are practicing righteousness? Are we being Christians that are uh resisting temptation of sin? Are we being Christians walking in that light or or walking in the uh away from the light and, and into the darkness? In chapters one and two, uh, Again, he he goes into the walking in the light versus uh, dwelling in the darkness, and he, for that reason, we should be people striving to obey God, and 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 that's what walking in the light looks like. Then he goes into loving each other, and then he goes into resisting and turning away from sin and temptations uh, that are in this world, and we we uh, and then we see he kind of gets into some false teachers. That was, uh, that was a couple weeks ago. In this first part of chapter three this morning, uh, it's going to look at this, this idea of practicing righteousness and what that looks like for a, a Christ follower. And what we're going to look at next week is that the second part is going to look at loving your brother. Again, not, not a new message for, for John and, and what we've gone through. But the difference between the first two chapters and chapters three is John's really going to focus on a different reason that we need to be practicing righteousness and loving each other. Uh, Where really he was looking at the, the first angle of loving um, and being in this whole idea of loving and practicing righteousness from a idea of that, because we're in fellowship with God, those are things that need to be happen. But now he's going to say, because, we're children of God. This is the other reason we need to be practicing righteousness and loving your brother and loving each other. And it's the first time we're going to see John really go, Christians, you're, it, man, if, if you've, uh, if you've given your life to Christ, you're, you're a child of God. You're born again. It's the first time we kind of see John use that term born again. Um, but how cool this morning that, that we are, we're children of God. <clears throat> a story I heard recently that two fishermen and <laughs> they're out on the water and, and they're in a little tiny boat, looks a lot like Josh Bailey's boat. Um. And and they're just having a great time on the river and, and trolling a wrong and, and they stop and they dock and and they walk into a a bar that's on the uh, pastor telling a pastor telling a uh, guy walks into a bar joke on the stage here we here we go but uh but these two fishermen walk into the bar to, to get a drink and they end up staying way too long and uh and, and end up getting drunk and the story goes that they they stayed there till till nightfall and 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 getting more and more intoxicated and they realize it's time for to go and make stupid decisions when you're intoxicated and 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 they decide that they're going to they're going to boat back home so they get into the boat and and they start to turn on their little trolling motor and and they only need to go about 20 minutes upstream across the river to to get there um but after about an hour of trying to get home they realize they're not making a lot of progress they realize that they're not they're not going anywhere real real quick and and so they go. Well, maybe the you know maybe there's something messed up with our motor. Maybe there's something going on with the mechanics. And and so they grab a, a couple of oars and they just start oar paddling. And they do this for an hour. After about an hour, they turn around and and go. Well, we're still we're still we don't we're not getting very far here. And then they start in their drunkenness just go. Well, maybe the maybe the boat's cursed or maybe we're cursed or you know what's going on here and after a while <clears throat> they they don't know what to do but as they start to sober up and and light starts to come out they realize they never pulled the anchor of the boat up but i think we can look at that story and just look at our li- uh the lives of of christians today some of them and um and just look at us trying to paddle a boat that's anchored and just look at look at the our christians lives and, and compare it to this story and not the drunk part but um <laughs> but just as people trying to trying to go somewhere and being anchored down by something uh you know where you can feel like you're in your bible you can feel like you're praying going to church and and thinking you're maybe doing things that 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 should be making you feel like you're you're heading towards god um but how many of us have a boat anchor tied to us in the form of self righteousness or or sin sin that we're just holding on to that that we haven't shaken that's just stopping us from making forward progress and, and confusing us and going well, I don't know, I'm doing some of these things and, and I'm not going anywhere. Why, why is that? I just go, how many of us have a boat anchor tied, tied to our leg? <laughs> and that's, that's kind of self-righteousness versus righteousness, right? Where we need to be practicing righteousness, but practicing righteousness isn't just going through the motions. There's more to it than that it's it there, there's got to be conviction of the holy spirit there's got to be conviction a feeling of the holy spirit and then a conviction a conviction of the holy spirit uh but then we need to be people practicing righteousness that go yeah i'm i'm feeling this conviction i'm going to change and i want I, I just talked to a brother this morning it was just like you know conviction's good for us it doesn't always feel good but and when when we're feeling convicted by the holy spirit and we're willing to act like that give me more give me more conviction <clears throat> but they don't feel like they're growing spiritually and they and, and and they're not bearing fruit and they and and that's discouraging for some <clears throat> i looked up a few different pastors and bible scholars who had different definitions of of just what they thought practicing righteousness means and and the best one I, I saw was um it means that we're trying to live lives that align with all that God stands for and reveals to us in his word. Or or simply put, obeying God and his commandments. And our text today tells us that if if we're supposed to if Practicing righteousness is something where we're obeying God and, and, and His commandments. And our text tells us today that sin is lawlessness against kind of this idea they can't live side by side. It, it, it can't be something to where we can practice righteousness, and also be law, lawless. They just They don't com- compute. It's one or the other. It's light or dark. So as we break down this text this morning, John gives us two important points in our our text uh, that we as children of God need to be practicing righteousness or at least have a good incentive to to practice righteousness. Uh, And both of them uh, really Sunday school answer Jesus. But we're gonna look at Jesus's return and then Jesus's... uh, Jesus is first coming, and they're both mentioned in this text. And, and John gives us reasons in both why we need to be people that are just stopping and 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 practicing righteousness. So going into verse twenty eight, and we covered verse twenty eight and twenty nine a couple of weeks ago, but I think it it just fits in right here so well too, and and flows so good into this uh, this next part that we threw it in there. But John refers to Jesus' second coming twice. And in verse 28, it says, little children abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And we see this idea again, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And if that's not enough for you guys to stop and just say, our Lord and Savior is coming back to earth one day. Hopefully soon. We don't know the hour, but we need to be ready. But this first time we're going to see John refer to us practicing righteousness, uh, it's going to come from this angle of what's going to be my reaction as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, uh, when Jesus comes back for round two. There's kind of two positions we can be in. There's two reactions that we're going to have. According to our scripture, it's going to be, are we going to stand there with confidence? Are we going to stand there and be a little bit ashamed that that our lives haven't been uh, very fruitful? Are we going to be people that can stand before him and just go, Jesus, I tried my best to follow you. Uh, I tried my best to love like you. Uh, doesn't mean I didn't screw up along the way, but God, I just, I tried to glorify you. And and God, I'm so happy to have you back. I'm so happy you're here. I, so, I tried so hard to lead people to you. Or is it going to be shame? And and I don't know about you guys, but when I hear that there's going to be Christians and bro- brothers and sisters out there that are going to feel shame when Jesus comes back, that that hurts. That hurt, like talk about just like man, and not that Jesus isn't going to welcome you with open arms, but. But your conviction of the Holy Spirit's going to make you feel shame that you didn't do that you didn't do enough that you weren't just living a life on fire for for Jesus. I just think of that. I don't even have it written down, but that scripture in uh, Revelation that just talks about the lukewarm church, the lukewarm Christian that that gets spit out. I just think about that and just go, I definitely don't want to be in a place where I'm I'm feeling ashamed when our Lord and Savior comes back and we should be out in the streets celebrating his return. But what an incentive that is for us to practice righteousness while we're here. And the next verse goes on to say, we know that he's righteous and everyone who practices righteousness is born of him that's a good way for us to tell that that we're born again is because we're going to be people practicing righteousness but that incentive here is that we need to be practicing righteousness so we don't so so we are bearing fruit so we can stand before Jesus and say i'm so so glad to have you back jesus and i i hope that you're accepted You've accepted my life here. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect, God, but I hope that you can see I tried. <clears throat> if we know who Jesus is and how he acts, and we choose to, to try to live a life that follows him, that glorifies him, um, those are those are the indicators. Those are the indicators that that we've been born again into the family of God. And that takes us right into verse one this morning where it just says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. I'm gonna read that again. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it does not know him. Do you guys ever just stop and think about how awesome this verse is? Do you guys ever just stop and think about God and that God has adopted you into his family? when we make that decision to to turn away from our sins and to turn away from the world and follow Jesus, we're not only receiving that gift of eternal life, but we're adopted by God into his family. We have a father who loves us, who cares about us, who's protecting us uh, and doing everything that a good father should do. I think sometimes we can forget about that part. And, and it's easy to go, what, what are you doing for me, God? And it's like, well, I've adopted you into my family. I love you and I, I care about you like my own son. We don't deserve any of it, right? We're just messed up people. We're sinners, man. We don't deserve any of it. Uh, we don't deserve eternal life. But God didn't just stop at eternal life. God said, I'm going to give you this gift. And, and it's going to take my son dying on a cross and and bearing the weight of the world's sins to do it. But I'm not going to stop there. If you, if you accept my son, you accept me. And when you accept me, you're part of my family now. You're a you're one of my children. And you just look at that through the eyes of like, man, God loves us. The creator of the world loves us like a father. He treats us like his own son. And he's just asking us to to just do what he says. And again, the father, I've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but the father-son relationship is, he's telling you to do these things because he loves you. Just like a parent tells his children not to run across the parking lot on their way into church. I don't, maybe I know that from experience. Um, Just like it says, don't touch the hot stove. Don't do these things. They're for your own good. And for us to just, Practice righteousness should be such an easy thing for us. Yet the reality is that it's hard. It can be hard sometimes. It can be hard to to live these things because Satan is real. We live in a world that is, Satan still got a grasp on. And there's people out there and, and we see it just a little bit more down in our text that therefore the world does not know us because it does not know him. But I just think about God's love for us and and God adopting us into his family. That's a lot of kids. I adopted four and without my wife being here, I've, I've lost all of my hair. But let's look at that next part where it goes, how true is it that the rest of the world just doesn't even recognize God's children anymore that they're not, they're not part of it. And so we, I guess we can't expect them to, but, but now more than ever, we just look at the world and go, they don't care. They don't recognize us. And, and we need to be, uh, and that's why we have the church. That's why we have each other. That's why we're called to gather together as believers, because the outside world could care less about what's going on in here. and actually. Even more so, the world's at a point where, uh, frankly, they just kind of hate what's going on here. Uh, And for no reason other than (laughs) the world's just an evil place run by Satan. And says, if you're of the world, you you, you don't know the love of of God. But that's why we can't be worried about the opinions of people on the outside, uh, and I'm careful to say we can't worry about those opinions. That doesn't mean we we get to treat them like garbage, right? Because it's still our job to show the love of Christ everywhere we go. So we can't dwell on these opinions. You know, when when people want to attack us in our faith or, or what we're doing, we got to be ready for that. But we also got to be ready to doing it in a loving tone and and, and say. That's, you know, you don't agree with me. That makes me sad and I'll pray for you. But, you know, the outside world, more than anybody, they're going to bring offenses to us. But we also need to come at it at a place of they're not feeling that love that, that we get. They're not a child of God. And until they feel that love that hopefully us shining our lights in them can feel, they can feel that through us and that. The Holy Spirit can work through us to bring these people to Christ. Until then, we just got to keep showing them love. And But, but we can't let their opinions uh, alter ours. Does that make sense? We can't let these outside. We can't let the world determine our, uh, distract us from, our relationship with God. Uh I saw a Charles Spurgeon quote this week that just says <laughs> Spurgeon says, let the dogs bark. It's their nature to you just go on preaching Christ crucified. And how yeah, that's that's so good. You know. I, I don't know how kosher it is to refer to people as dogs, but but the point that he's making is that there's a. You're gonna get people on all sides just yapping and, and saying things you don't agree with. And Charles Spurgeon just says, let them. They don't control you. You answer to God. You just go on preaching Christ to them. You, you go on show them Christ's love. Verse two says, beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has hope in him purifies himself just as we were pure. I think as John writes this, uh, it's again good to remember that he's writing to a church dealing with false teachers. And he wants to make it clear that just as he said Uh, One chapter ago that like, hey, I don't know anything you guys don't know here. And I think he does a good job of admitting that when he says, we don't know. uh, What do you say? It's not been revealed to us, but we know when he is revealed. We shall be like him. And he's saying, I I don't know what we shall be, but. I do know that we're going to be like him. He doesn't know what's going to happen to our bodies. That's not what he's saying here. And and he's quick to admit that and go, I I don't have any special revelations that you guys don't know. The Bible doesn't speak on this. The scriptures doesn't speak on this. Uh, Jesus didn't really cover it too much. And and so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know. And and good for John for for staying humble there. But he can confidently say, hey, we're going to be like him. And that's backed up by scripture. And it's that practicing righteousness that there's one day when Jesus comes back is going to be fulfilled. And we're no longer going to be people practicing righteousness. We're just going to be righteous like Jesus. But that's going to be complete when he comes back. And uh, Colossians 3, 4 kind of backs that up. It just says, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so there's another reason uh, dealing with Christ's return to just go, I need to be somebody right now practicing righteousness in this season because one day I'm going to be at a place where I'm going to be, I'm not going to be practicing righteousness anymore. But in the meantime, it, it does say that we need to purify ourselves Um, And purifying ourselves is to be Christians once again practicing righteousness by regularly confessing, repenting, turning away from sin, and living a life that glorifies God. Point number two is going to cover Christ's first coming and what Christ did for us, what he's already done for us. So we've already seen two instances here that are already good indicators of why we should be practicing this righteousness. Why we sh- Why we should be just obeying God and, and trying our best to fulfill his commandments and living a life for him. Um, and, and those things haven't even happened yet. Those are just things we have the hope for. But now we're gonna see things that have already happened. And the whole reason Christ came in the first place. And again, it just is the, First time, he uses uh, kind of two reasons from Jesus' first coming as to why uh, continuing in the same sinful lifestyle that we had before we were born again uh, just doesn't work. It doesn't work for Christians. We're called to something better. And those reasons are because he came to take, take our sin away and he came to destroy the devil. And that text makes it very clear. Verse four, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, do not dec- let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil and there there it is he came so he could destroy the works of the devil whoever has been born of god does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of god In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. That's a, that's a, that's a good piece of text right there. (laughs) A lot of, uh, a lot of intensity there. And, you even go, man, he's using, some, uh, he's using some language that kind of even uh, contradicts something he's already said. Back, you look back in chapter 1, verse 8, where he just kind of says that it, if you say you don't practice in, you're a liar. And so you go, what is John talking about here? He's saying these things. Um, and I think we can look at some translations. There's some biblical scholars out there that believe he was maybe talking about the ideal situation. As a perfect Christian, this is where we need to be. Uh, if you guys have ESV Bibles, I think that they've changed some of that language uh, to say whoever abides in him does not practice sin. Uh, and it's, it's agreed that that was kind of where he was coming from was people who practice sin. I don't think he was trying to contradict himself in the same letter and other places in the Bible uh, that talks about obviously we're sinners and we're going to screw up. And so I think his thought here was the, the practice of sin. So don't get held up on, on the, the language uh translation gap here. <clears throat> but the message is pretty clear here. This is a part as a new pastor where I go, well, I, like, I don't know. Do I just stand up here and read this stuff? It's pretty clear. <laughs> But I just go for us to continue to practice sin completely contradicts the reason Jesus came in the first place. here the facts is that we're all sinners and there's people that do sinful things these are just this is straight from our scripture I pulled this these things out of this chunk of scripture and just wrote that wrote them down inductive Bible study style the facts we're all sinners and people do sinful stuff. Uh, The problem, it says that sin is lawlessness by nature and originates from the devil. But God sent the solution, which is that Jesus came to take our sins away and destroy the devil's work. And our response needs to be according to the word here that no one who lives in god or is born of god should be practicing sin that should be our response <clears throat> it says in verse peter who himself bore our sins in his own body of the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness who himself jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness. It's, it's pretty cut and dry, pretty cut and dry as children of God. Jesus came to show us how to live a a life of righteousness, to take the sins away. So we could be able, so we were were able to practice this righteousness, to live like him, to glorify him, to honor him in what we do. I like what our text says here in closing, that there's children of God and there's children of the devil. And not practicing righteousness and not loving your brother is not of God. And, and that's a that's a bit of intense uh it's a bit of intense scripture there, but I just go, it's pretty important, it's pretty cut and dry here that as Christians, we need to be people practicing righteousness. We need to be people that aren't bitter, that aren't angry that aren't holding on to grudges. And not just because we want to bear fruit, but that should be a motivation that we're bearing fruit, that we're representing Jesus Christ. As Christians, we're representing Jesus Christ. You with kids, you tell your kids the same thing when you go out in public. I hope you are. Hey, you represent us, you know. When I have a youth kid come out in the mall on Easter in an Easter bunny costume, I got to sit him down and go, I love that you're in that Easter bunny costume. Love that you're able to do that. But you need to know you're representing the church. You're representing Jesus, and that's a big deal. So go have fun, but also just know who you're representing here. And that's all of us. We're the church, and we represent who Jesus Christ is. And so when the outside world sees us getting sideways about something, when the outside world sees us reacting harshly to something, when the outside world sees us acting bitter about something, that's not a good representation of Jesus. That's not a glorifying Jesus. That's not glorifying to God. That's not honoring to God. so what jesus did for us and the hope of jesus uh that we have in jesus's return and the love god shows us as his children there's the motivators for for living this life of righteousness those should be enough those should be enough for us to want to just be on fire for god be people that are excited to to be in his word. Be people that are excited to go spread his name to represent him with joy. And again, better easier said than done. I, I understand. It's man, we live in, in in a time where it's 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 tough. It's tough to be a Christian. Uh there's thieves of joy all over the place that The enemy's, one of the enemy's greatest tools is is to steal our joy and and make us feel like, uh, man, that we're missing something. The enemy's a, he's a tough one. And he wants us to fail. And as we practice righteousness, unfortunately, the enemy's attack often becomes stronger. You guys ever experienced that? I guarantee you, some of these women that are coming back—I heard some a woman got saved this weekend at, at uh, the women's retreat. So praise the Lord for that. A- yes, Amen. Um, but I also just know when they come back, they're probably going to experience some spiritual attack. If if they had a great weekend and and lives were changed and people were restored, you're just going to go well get ready for a pretty tough week (laughs) or, you know, and that's when we got to just dig in deeper and go, man, I I need to be in the word even more. I need to reach out to a Christian brother or sister and and make sure that, you know, somebody's, somebody's prayed up with me. Skip prayed up. Uh, I need to be in the word. I need to, I need to represent Jesus. uh, Good. Even in the bad times. But if we let the enemy win, we lose track of our, our, our identity in Christ. I can't talk today. And when we lose track of our identity in Christ, we, uh, we end up down a path of sin where we lie, we cheat, we tear people down, uh, we lust, we're prideful. we become bitter we don't love each other we're holding on to grudges and and when those things start to happen it just makes our vision uh foggy and again using that using that uh comparison that John makes in the in chapter 1 you're, that's that's the darkness. That's you walking into darkness. And, and it's hard to see in the darkness. It's hard to, to get out of there sometimes. And we have, again, we're, we're always going to have moments of weakness. But it's what we do in those moments. Are we going to let sin just take hold of us and pull us deeper into the darkness? Or are we just going to dig deeper into, into God and, and, and say, even more so now more than ever, I need to be in the word. I need to be in church. I I need to be in prayer. I need the Holy spirit to come and convict me and and to, and to get me out of here. I need to hear from the Holy spirit. I need the Holy spirit to guide me. But if we can get back into that place where we can just practice righteousness and again, Spend time with God. Regularly confess our sins. Repent. Turn away from them. Here's a big one. Setting your life up to where you uh, avoid sinful situations. That's a huge struggle in this world full of sin. I find myself all the time having something on TV and just going, what is it we're watching right now? this isn't glorifying God, but it's everywhere. You know, we can't get on our phones for more than three seconds without seeing something that is just not honoring to God. And so that's a tough one. But if we can do that, if we can just set our lives up to where we're not going to be so tempted by this sin, we're going to be set up pretty good. We're going to be set up better to, to combat this. But as, as I close here, I just, wanna, I just want you to think about that boat anchor analogy again. And if there's something in your life this morning that's just holding you down, if there's something that's just stunting your growth, if there's something that's uh, stopped you from bearing fruit, from feeling like you're not going anywhere with your relationship with God, feeling like it's holding you back from walking closer to that light, Feeling like there's something missing. And, and you go, I don't know, I'm a Christian. I come to church on Sunday mornings. What is it? What am I missing? I I encourage you this morning to just examine yourself. Is there is there some sin that you're holding on to? There's some self righteousness you're holding on to. Is there some bitterness you're holding on to that's that's just keeping you down like a boat anchor, stopping you from from moving forward? Once that boat anchor is lifted, we're undocked. That's when we can start to grow. That's when God can use us. That's when God can use us to do great things for his kingdom. That's when we can experience the full power of the Holy Spirit. That's when things start to happen in our life and and we can experience that. Again, going back to uh, chapter one, that joyness, that Joyfulness that John talks about. We want that joyfulness. If you're here this morning holding on to something, it's time to let go. It's time to move forward. What are you waiting on? It's not going to get better. Don't don't be like the don't be like the drunk guys in the boat that uh, put in way too much work to just realize that they're not going anywhere because of something that's holding them down. You could sit there and wait and and it'll come and it might take you doing a lot of hard work. But if you can just reveal it now and and get back to that place of just practicing this righteousness that, that, that God calls us to have. And and frankly, we owe it to God. We, We owe it to God to, to practice this righteousness for everything he's done for us for the love that he shows us then then we can we can start just living lives for him and our lives will be changed for the better.